Welcome back. Back with another episode of the Soccer Academy. Dalton Kemper here as usual. Also with Corey Shabbing as usual. Was going to record one last week. Uh, personal reasons that one did not get recorded. Uh, but we're back this week. Corey had finals anyway. Uh, so we're back to discuss all things soccer. How are things going, Corey? Uh, they're good. Like you said, just got done with some finals for school. So I'm ready just to kick back a little bit, getting ready for Christmas. Santa's coming. So hopefully he yeah. brings me some goodies and some Manchester United wins. I was going to so. say, I don't think he visits Man U fans. I think Santa's a <laughs> Liverpool fan. So I don't think you get anything. Sorry. No, that's fine. But Sorry, hopefully, this way. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. I, it's it's really it's, seriously it's fine like i'm not i'm not gonna cry <laughs> you're later, not worried but... about it right no I'm de- not no definitely not what all right this was the shortest podcast we've ever <laughs> recorded See, like, uh, <laughs> no but we got a lot to talk about a lot of fun things um we mentioned on the last podcast we were going to talk about the possibility of not the possibility but what if there were playoffs in the premier league so we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about the mls cup final uh the game and some good things surrounding the game uh, USMNT player of the year candidates. Cause that list was released. Uh, we have six great players to choose from the disaster. That was the champions league draw for the round of 16 and, uh, maybe a couple of other things if we have time. So we'll start with the MLS cup final, uh, Portland and New York city FC in Portland. Let's talk about the game first. Um, New York City FC, NYC FC scored and pretty much controlled the game. Um, for the most part, they controlled possession, they really didn't allow Portland to get any good clear shots at goal until the very end when Portland tied it in the last minute, um, which was really just a bunch of the ball bouncing around and it fell to the right guy, uh, which happens. So, uh, NYC FC had control of the game, but Portland tied at one, one, we had extra time. No one scored. So of course we went to penalties where NYCFC won. Uh, one thing, the penalties that New York city took were not particularly impressive, but Steve Clark was the goalie for Portland. If Steve Clark is your goalie for penalty kicks, you're probably going to lose. Um, and the, in New York city had Sean Johnson. So, <laughs> Like um, there was a lot of penalties that weren't really towards either side, but they were like maybe a little right and center or maybe a little left in center. And Steve Clark dove the right way for the Timbers, just like missed it and didn't get a hand on it, which, you know, it happens whenever you don't have like a goalie as good as Sean Johnson. Um, so props to New York city. They got their first MLS cup. Um, it's sad. They still play on a baseball field. Uh, maybe I won't respect this as an MLS Cup win. If it was played at Yankee Stadium, I would not have respected this as an MLS Cup win. I would have called it the Yankees' 28th World Series. Um, <laughs> but props to them. They have a heck of a team. Um, and a couple things. Did you have anything to say about the game? Uh, nah, you said it all. Just Steve Clark had some blunders, especially with that goal that NYCFC. Yeah, yeah that was just a complete blunder. Uh, it was good to see Sean way, Johnson finally getting an MLS Cup. I think he yeah. deserves it more than anyone in the MLS. So, not a huge fan of NYCFC, but I was no. happy for Sean Johnson. Yeah. So, I was the same. Um, yeah, maybe it's that light blue color they wear that we both hate. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, and I, yeah, 
Steve Clark messed up on that goal that New York City scored. But how does Castellanos get free on the back post? How do the Timbers not mark him? And it was a great ball by Maxi Morales, uh, first of all. But I don't understand how Castellanos, the golden boot winner in the league this year, who has been shown to score goals, uh, gets free on the back post like that for a free header. So I think it's on defense and goalie. Yeah, uh, obviously on any set piece close to your goal, you're going to always mark the probably the two defenders, your two center backs, because they're probably going to be the, the best in the air or the tallest. And then you find the best player or their best goal scorer. And those are the three people you should always mark. After that, you can kind of get away from it. But the two center backs and the goal score or the best goal scorer should always be people who should not even be scoring on set pieces. And yet Portland let the best goal scorer score. So yeah, uh, right. a blunder, but that's MLS. Yeah, uh, that's soccer. <laughs> yeah, that's any yeah, sport. just soccer. Yeah, that's that's any sport. You're gonna have like in, in football, you got guys getting free and in, in coverage when they shouldn't. In basketball, you've got guys getting easy dunks. So I mean, it happens. Uh, just sucks for the Timbers that it happened on the biggest stage. Um, yes, but about the game, the MLS Cup had incredible TV ratings, uh, and this came at a great time as. Um, the TV deal deal is currently being negotiated with uh, possibly ESPN, possibly Paramount. Anyway, the MLS Cup last Saturday averaged 1.14 million viewers, making it the most watched MLS Cup match on ABC since 2009. Uh, it peaked in the final last half hour because obviously there were penalties um, with 1.63 million. So very good numbers. That's a 38% increase from just uh, two years ago when it was Seattle and Toronto. So very promising numbers for MLS, especially going into uh, TV rights negotiations. And I think this is just promising overall for MLS because it could have been bigger, I thought. I thought if we would have got... Uh, Portland, no doubt, one of the biggest soccer markets in the country. They were going to show up for for their um, for their team, but I think if a different team from the East instead of NYC would have made it, I think the ratings had the potential to be bigger. I know that <clears throat> I know that New York City is the biggest market in the country, but I think if it was New England and we had the best team in the league going for this, and you had Carlos Heel and Matt Turner and Gustavo Bo and all these guys on New England, I think we would have gotten a bigger number. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, I think you're right. But like you said, New NYC is the biggest market. I mean, they have probably the most people in all of America. So your market's always going to be the biggest there. However, your diehards from New England, everyone's going to turn into that game. I mean, and it would have been played at New England, wouldn't it? Have? Would have been in New England, yeah. yeah. And then, so you would have gotten Portland's TV ratings. Although I wanted, I'm so glad it was in Portland. That place yeah, was rocking too. It was. It's always rocking, even on a Wednesday afternoon. I mean, that place is always rocking. But yeah, uh, the ratings were pretty good. However, I think the biggest flaw that everyone 
Saul was the pregame coverage. Yep, I wanted or to talk the about last, that too. So yeah, I'm glad you, I'm yeah, glad you I wanted to segue up. into it. So, it, so for those of the you who didn't watch it, the UConn UCLA women's basketball game was on ABC, the program before. So the MLS Cup had to be delayed. 15, 20 minutes, I yeah, think. It was 10, 10, 15 minutes. 10, 15 minutes, just so we could watch UConn, no, UCLA foul UConn for 10 times in that a minute. That last minute took like yeah. 20 minutes. So I just, I don't get how you can have the biggest soccer final in domestic USA and still not have a pregame show or any coverage yeah. of it. It just cut right to like the for a kickoff whistle. So that was kind of a glaring part of the MLS cup. I'm glad they got ratings. It was a good game, good atmosphere, and hopefully we can keep it going, but we just got to work on our pregame coverage of these events. And it happened with the USA qualifying too, a couple months ago. I think it was like Liberty football against like Jacksonville state. Yeah. Something something. like that. Yeah. So it was in front of one of our bigger games in the uh, qualifying cycle, and we had to wait f- for a football game to get done. So a pointless one at that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's not like it was one of any value to <laughs> most people. But about the pregame coverage, so I was um, skimming through the live TV channels looking for MLS Cup pregame coverage, and I assume that that would be what a, what a casual fan would be doing, right? Um, they're like, hey, MLS Cup's on in half an hour. Let me tune in right now and see if there's any pregame. I can learn a little bit about these teams before the game, especially if you're a casual fan and you haven't watched a ton of MLS. You might want to figure out a little bit about these teams and their players before the game, uh, just so maybe you, you know, you'll, you'll see them on the field. Anyway, I was skimming through the TV channels, didn't see it anywhere. Uh, ABC obviously had UConn and UCLA on. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check ESPN Plus because that's, you know, probably where it is. I check ESPN Plus. There it is. There's the pregame show. I don't know how long it was on before I tuned into it. I don't know like how long it was there. My problem is it wasn't promoted. There was, I had no idea that the MLS Cup pregame show was on ESPN Plus the casual fan is not going to take that extra step that I took of turning on ESPN plus if you don't immediately find the pregame show. Um, So there was no um, promotion of it ahead of time. And then another issue I had with it is that whenever that UConn and UCLA game was still going, they didn't keep the pregame going. So there was a period there, the pregame ended. And then there was like 30 minutes, if not more where we had to wait um, to get any sort of coverage because uh, the ESPN Plus pregame had ended and they were waiting on that basketball game. So it made no sense to me. And I, if I'm a casual viewer, those are the things I'm not going to take the extra steps to do. I'm not going to take the extra steps to find the pregame. And if I struggle, if I turn on MLS Cup at 2 o'clock because that's when it's supposed to be on, and oh, there's UConn and UCLA fouling each other with a minute left. Maybe I go find something better to do with my day. I don't know. For MLS people and soccer people, that was the best thing to do with our day. But for non-soccer people who were just trying to find the easiest way to tune into this game, it was probably frustrating, just as it was to all of us soccer people who want MLS to get this 
the right coverage. Yeah, it's it's just frustrating again. One of those things where we've said it a hundred times. It's it's just frustrating that we're not getting the right coverage we need for the MLS or for soccer in general to grow, which is what one of our main missions with this podcast and just in general is is just to kind of spread soccer. Yeah. And watching UCL, UCLA foul UConn ten times within a minute in a pointless game, which oh, they had the already way, lost. They fouled with like five seconds left, down what seven? I thought it was nine. I, it was it was insane. Yeah. I was like, you have no chance. Yeah, it was it was terrible, terrible. So I don't know. Again, just one of those things where it's frustrating, but I don't know if there's much we can do about it. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Um, yeah. It was a good – the overall, if you take out the pregame, I think it was good. It was good yeah, coverage. I agree. I agree. Uh, the, the, the incredible soccer market of Portland was highlighted. The, we saw how many people were gathered in New York to watch the game on the big screen there and party whenever uh, they won. So that was all really good. My only complaint is there was no promotion for the pregame. And so that that's that's my only issue. Let's do a little better there. And I did say too, I think that speaking of MLS having rights up for grabs, take that into consideration with who you choose um, and how much they have to pay you. Because if ESPN continues to treat MLS like a second class uh, product for them, I'd rather go with Paramount. I'd rather go with CBS, one that will have the inventory to put MLS games on CBS um, on some weekends. They'll be able to put their uh, MLS games on CBS Sports Network. Uh, probably not as many as ESPN does on ESPN, but that's okay. I'd rather have, if, if CBS is willing to give the attention and coverage to MLS that it deserves, then I'd rather you go with them. But if we keep having this issue with ESPN where they're treating it as a second class product and we're not going to, you know, make any movement. And even though ESPN is going to be paying a pretty penny for this, if they win the rights, then uh, I'd rather not. I'd, I'd just rather not. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I agree. All right. So I do have to shout out to though, uh, NYCFC coach, Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Dela. I think that's how you say his name. I don't I know. So. I could have messed that up. Anyway, he promised his supporters when he was hired in 2020 that he would celebrate shirtless if they won the MLS Cup. Not only did he celebrate shirtless, he ripped off that shirt and then took off his pants. <laughs> uh, don't worry, the underwear stayed on. But he lifted that cup in just his underwear, and it was quite possibly the most magnificent thing I've ever seen. Um, as far as uh celebrations with the trophy and it was insane that that was uh crazy and he was so emotional after the win he was crying um so it meant a lot to him so that was that was really cool to see too yeah a man of his word it's always nice to see someone <laughs> coming up on their bets and saying all right i'll do it you guys made it happen so it's pretty cool good on him yeah exactly um way too early prediction for mls cup 2022 who would you pick today to oh. win MLS Cup? Man, I, I, I. There's no and preseason. Gonna, and then I'm going to tell you what the Vegas odds think because those odds came out today. Uh, the MLS is so tricky. Like, as we saw, like, NYCFC and Portland both made it. Two teams, two very good teams, but two teams that weren't really the favorites. No. So, 
I think I gotta go if I think I know how Vegas runs, which I don't. No, I'm not gonna, not uh, what Vegas says. I want to know what you think, and then I'll. I think I'm going guys. along the lines of what I think they would say, and what my personal uh, vote would be would be. I think Seattle's going to do it again. I think they have a lot of players returning. If they can stay healthy, they'll be in it. And then I'm going – I'll go New England again. I think they're keeping their players, most of them, if not all of them. So I think they're going to make a run for it. So who do you think would win? I can't can't bet against the Sounders. I got to go Sounders. you're saying Sounders? Yep. I would say, I mean, right now, this is so early. We haven't even had like yeah, transfers. Exactly. We haven't had a preseason. We've had nothing. So this is probably just, it's just a bunch of BS for podcast content. <laughs> um, I'd say New England. I think with the team they're bringing back, and they just got Sebastian Legette, uh, who oh, yeah. love him or hate him, he's a good MLS player. Um, so I would, I would say New England. And the, here's the Vegas, here's what Vegas says. There are three teams tied for the best opening odds to win MLS Cup next year. That would be New England, Seattle, and LAFC, which shocked me because LAFC was disappointing this year. Um, Even though they were probably better than their record, they really weren't good enough. Uh, They wouldn't have won MLS Cup this year anyway, even if they made the playoffs. Um, NYCFC is fourth. At plus a thousand. By the way, the other three were plus seven hundred. Uh, Sporting Kansas City uh, rounds out the top five at plus twelve hundred. So overall, and by the way, the bottom is uh, tied Cincinnati and Houston plus ten thousand. So <laughs> a couple terrible teams there. Got a note that Charlotte's coming next year too. Yep, Charlotte uh, is tied for twenty second at plus sixty six hundred. They so just had like, their expansion draft. Yeah, we should probably talk about that. Um, I don't even care to address the players they selected. Actually, in one way. Um, they selected a couple of players, one of them being Tristan Blackman from LAFC, and immediately just traded him for general allocation money Uh and then traded another one of their players they drafted in the expansion draft for the same thing. My issue is that in MLS, we shouldn't be having expansion drafts. Um, it feels really weird that after everything LAFC probably went through to get black men, he's been such a big part of their start as a franchise. And then uh, Charlotte could just come in and say, Hey, we're taking him but we're not even going to really keep him. We're just going to let this other team like pay for him. It's weird. It's really weird, especially in the world of soccer. Like I get it in, um, in hockey when the Seattle Kraken joined, if the NBA were to ever to expand, I understand an expansion draft in those situations because basically all the good players are in that league. And if you don't have an expansion draft, then that team is going to be terrible for years. Um, in MLS, there's thousands of pro soccer players on this planet that you can go and try and sign and you have plenty of time to do it. You have years to build up your team and go out and try and scout these guys having an expansion draft where you just take someone's player that they've spent money training and money bringing in and all these different things and scouting them. It feels uh, wrong in my opinion. 
Yeah, expansion drafts are weird in soccer, like you said. Um, in hockey, if for those of you who don't know, a team can protect up to like 12 players and then the rest of their team is up for grabs for the new team which works pretty well the same way in the MLS. However, in the in hockey player or a team the new team gets to, gets to select one player from every NHL team. So they'll have a full roster, which works well because there's not as many hockey players not either in this league or in the NHL or across the world enough to say, "Oh, just come play for us." So you kind of have to have a player from every team. But like you said, soccer I mean, you can go to Brazil, you can go to any European country and pick up 11 soccer players and make a team and probably even compete in the MLS as hard as it is to say if that. You, but, if you scout, if you're smart, if you have a smart scouting department and, and you have people that know what they're doing, you could you could bring in a very strong team day one in MLS because all the talent that's out there and not like and you could like you said south american countries everything you could bring in some liga emekis players so yeah it's just expansion drafts are so weird in the mls and there's like non-protected there's protected there's this and that it's just so complicated at the end of the day and we're coming up on three more drafts probably two more drafts if that two, uh yeah. well st louis is joining next year there will be another one there and then it sounds like Las Vegas is going to get the uh, the 30th MLS team, which would presumably be where MLS stops expanding for a while because that's always been Don Garber's number. His number's been, you know, I want to get to 30. I want to have 30 teams and we'll be set, which is fine. Uh, I'm fine with that being the number just because that's what it is in other American sports, sports leagues. Um but that's besides the point. The expansion draft does feel weird, and we've definitely got at least two more of them yeah. in the next couple of years. So, uh, by the way, MLS schedule did come out today. Uh, nothing of note to really say about it, besides it's the last one that St. Louis City SC will not be a part of. And I am so excited to hear that. I yep. am. Hopefully, I'll be graduated, have a big boy job, <laughs> and hopefully, maybe live around the area and i mean i'll be the first in line for season tickets yeah, so it's gonna be i'm fun. so excited so excited for it it's gonna be fun i'm very excited to be able to take in games in that stadium that looks like it's gonna be incredible yes um the great thing about it being pushed back a year it does kind of suck because without covid st louis city would be starting this year uh which is a harsh reminder <laughs> um but it gets time for them to uh cross those t's and dot the i's of uh, make sure everything's in place. The stadium will be finished for day one, uh, all these different things. Uh, so very exciting, very exciting. Yes. Uh, good luck to Charlotte on their first season. Um, I wish they would have an MLS-specific stadium, but that's besides the point because I feel like any team in MLS right now should have a specific stadium. Maybe that's crazy of me. I don't care. I think you have a point. I think Don Garber should make sure that all of his teams in the league have a stadium to play in rather than adding more teams. Cause it yeah. sounds like NYCFC is not getting a stadium until no, past no 2023. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so we may have 30, 32 teams even in this league before NYCFC plays in an actual soccer stadium. So, or close it's a shame. to it. It it's is a shame. Um, but you know, that's why I'll, 
I won't watch a game where NYCFC is the host. I will not watch a soccer game played at Yankee Stadium. The field is narrow and it sucks and it's not a good viewing experience. And I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry because it drives me insane every time I watch them play on a baseball field. I hate it. <laughs> it's like it's it's one of my biggest pet peeves. Um whether it be that I can still see the NFL lines on a soccer field when Nashville's playing, which which doesn't didn't bother me as much, especially because Nashville has their by the way, next year Nashville has their stadium opening, the biggest soccer specific stadium in the country. Um, so props to them. It'll be more than thirty thousand. Uh big ups to them. Um and so that place should be good. But we're getting to a point now where it should be expected that each every team has their own stadium to play in. And uh, New York City FC, it sounds like, sadly, won't. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think and sad to think, but I don't know. Nothing we can do again. Nope, nothing we can do. Um, <laughs> so we just had the end of the playoffs in MLS, which brings up a topic that you brought up a couple weeks ago that I thought would be very fun to discuss. What if there were playoffs in the Premier League? As we know right now, they play a 38-game season in the Premier League. Whoever is top of the table after the end of the season is the winner. Uh, very, very straightforward. No playoffs, no anything. Everybody plays each other twice, and that's it. That's how most leagues work over there. Very seldom do you have any sort of playoffs to determine a league over there. But what if we had playoffs in the Premier League, Corey? What would you think? I think it would be electric however because of the rich tradition of the uh, promotion relegation system in england and in most of europe that the thought of a playoffs like the mls in the premier league will never happen Uh, it just won't and it's unfortunate because i think watching man city and liverpool play in a final at wembley for the entire premier league would be ex- just amazing amazing to watch or even if you get like a west ham against liverpool west ham's making a cinderella run and if they can beat liverpool in the final the whole place would go crazy i think it would be amazing I just don't think it will ever truly happen, unfortunately. So I'm on the other side. I like playoffs in MLS. It's kind of our thing. MLS is American. Playoffs are a very American thing um, for to determine a champion. I don't want playoffs in other leagues um, to determine a champion because – I look at the 38-game season right now for uh, the Premier League, and I see Liverpool and Man City play twice a year. Um, Both of those games are must-watch, and you have to tune in, and the atmosphere is always incredible because the last few years anyway, and it's looking like it might trend this way again this year, the winner of that game gets the upper hand or those games gets the upper hand in the title chase because every single game and every single point matters. Um, Liverpool lost the league a couple or three years ago by one point, one point, which brings me further to the point that 
any game, you can look back at any game Liverpool tied or lost that year that they looked back and thought, if we scored one more goal or we didn't give up one less, if we give up one less goal in that game, we're champions today. I love that every game feels like you feels big because if you slip up, um, the other team can take advantage and all of a sudden you're six points back and it's hard to catch that. Um, I love that. Every, I love that every game feels like you have to put your best team out there and win. Um, we see it in some American sports leagues where when teams get that playoff spot locked up, you rest those starters. This game doesn't really matter to you because you're just trying to coast until the playoffs and bring your best self. Then I don't want that in, um, in the premier league or any other soccer league, because I think it makes it uh, unique. And I think, like I said, it puts an emphasis on every single one of the 38 games that you've got to put your best foot forward out there, or you're going to be looking back at the end of the season thinking if we like, I, if Liverpool lose the league again by one or two points, I'm going to be looking at the West Ham game that we lost two to three on a last minute back post header by Kurt Zuma. I'm going to be looking back at that game and I'm going to think, man, he shouldn't have been free at the back post like that. I'm going to look back at the Brentford game and think, how do we give up three goals to Brentford and let them like play like that? So I think that's special. And I think I really like that the champion is, is determined as literally who was the best all year. Um, And I think that's, I, I really do enjoy that part of, of soccer overseas. But I, like I said, I also like the playoffs in MLS because that's what I expect here. And that's what I like for MLS. Although I do think there should be more emphasis placed on supporter shield um, more than there is now, but it's hard to do that when you don't get like MLS cup at the end of the season. So that's my two cents. Yeah, no, you make some really good points there. And I think, you put it well of like every game counts. And if Manchester United draws at Burnley, like the entire team, the entire fan base base just gets deflated saying like, if we don't make champions league, it's probably going to be because of this. Yeah. However, I still think you get that impact when it comes to the playoffs, because say you only take the top six teams or the top Mm -hmm. eight, everyone's going to be fighting to get to that top six or to fight for the rankings. So I don't have to play Chelsea as a three seed or a four seed or something. So I go ahead. You go ahead. I'm just, I think you'll still have a good impact and a beneficial impact from playing these league games or these games throughout the season, the 38 game season. But I think the playoffs is going to be even more of a race to get into the playoffs to begin with. And then once you get there, you'll say, Oh, we play at Chelsea. That's going to be a hard game. Let's field our best team. I think you're going to see a lot better teams set for those games. I think you're going to see just all out attacking. I think you're going to see some, great play and i would be just ecstatic to watch those games i think so looking at the table for this year it's very possible that the by the end of the games tomorrow which is thursday we're recording this wednesday night it's very possible that the top three are already 10 points clear of fourth (laughs) so they would be coasted if there was playoffs 
uh, already, and we're not even halfway through the season. Um, and I do think it, it's also different overseas that they have still have things to fight for. Like, United aren't going to win the title this year, but United is fighting for that fourth spot for Champions League, um, which you, we, all, we both know such emphasis is placed on and so much money comes to the team that you make whenever you make it. Um, so I think I, I like that there's still something to fight for. And the FA Cup is more prestigious than the U.S. Open Cup. So some teams in the later stages put more emphasis on that, too. Yeah, that's fair. I like that. I just think <laughs> I think I'm thinking of the Premier League working kind of like the NFL and the yeah. fact that you have your three best teams. Like right now, the NFC, it's the Cardinals, Packers and Bucks. But the, the like wild card spots and that fourth spot in the NFC East, because the NFC East is terrible. I, I think that's more of a race. And I think that's sometimes more fun to watch than the actual like race for the first seed. So I think the race in premier league for so that the seed, further down. Yeah. The further yeah. down is more exciting. Like I think it's four through eight is separated by five points. And then four through 10 is separated by seven, which seven points is kind of a big gap. But then again, it's, not really a big gap. That's two wins and a point or two wins and you're in a eight spot or the six spot. So I don't know. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see. I wish the uh, football association over there could just agree like, Hey, one year we're going to do an 18 playoff. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. All right. Let's just throw it out there. If everyone hates it, we'll never do it again. We can't say we at least tried. I just want to see it once. If the revolt against the Super League was bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. Awesome. That's fair. That is fair. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> while we're on the topic of Premier League and other leagues in Europe, we can touch on how things are going over there. Uh, like I said, we're recording this on Wednesday night before the Thursday games, which is Chelsea, Everton, Leicester, Tottenham, and Liverpool, Newcastle. Um, Arsenal beat West Ham today, um, which – isn't like a super shocking result, but West Ham have been the better team this year, but Arsenal straight up outplayed them today. And uh, Arsenal currently sit fourth, which I don't wow. think, I don't think, by the way, me and you both said on the podcast of the season preview this year, if anyone's going to break up the party of the top four, it's Arsenal. Cause all they have to play for is premier league. They have no midweek Europe games They've got nothing. This is their only thing. And me and you both acknowledge that. We both said if, if anyone's going to break this up, it's Arsenal. They're currently sitting fourth. Um, if Man U win this weekend, if they play this weekend, yeah, um, then Man U will slide up into fourth. But uh, Arsenal have kind of figured it out after a nightmare start to the year. They, they've got it at least kind of rolling. And their young guys are showing up. Uh, Saka had a great game today. Um, I, th I think Arsenal's a really good team, and they might they might <laughs> make Champions League. It's, it, we'll see if it's sustainable what they're doing. But beating West Ham like they did today is a very good sign. Yeah, Arsenal is on a run, and it's crazy to think that we're even saying that because how how bad they have been within the last couple months and years. But looking at the table now, we're coming up on halfway almost, are we? Yeah, we're nearly yeah, there. We're nearly most, there. Game, most teams are two games away from halfway. 
Yeah. And so right around now is when teams are, this is where the kind of like the shifting, the teams either drop or the teams start making runs to go up to the top four. I think you're going to start seeing that a lot more. And the team in third place right now is not safe. And I can put money on that because (laughs) they got bailed out by a 95th minute penalty against Leeds. They did. They have not looked good. Their defense, like you said, has been atrocious lately. Talk about talking about Chelsea, by the way. Yes, Chelsea. They are seven points clear of Arsenal right now. If Man U wins, they'll be six points. And the way that Arsenal and Man U are playing right now, I don't I if I were a Chelsea fan, I would be shivering right now because I don't think they're gonna be in the Premier League. And they've in got the injuries. And they've gotten injuries, they've got, yeah. which I don't want to use as, as an excuse for Chelsea because they've bought every good player in the world in the past couple of years. Like, yeah. they have such a deep bench. I have no sympathy for their injuries. It's not like a situation with Liverpool last year where your top four center backs are hurt. Like, that's, it's not that kind of situation. I did come on this very podcast, though, a couple of weeks ago, and I said Chelsea's defense is not sustainable. I tweeted it. I said it on this podcast that Chelsea's defense cannot keep uh, doing what they're doing. They were way outperforming their expected goals against, which is a key stat if you're looking at how they how much defense they're actually playing. Um, and since that podcast, um, around that podcast anyway, they gave up three to West Ham, lost three to two. In the midweek uh, that week, they gave up three to Zenit and tied three to three. Last week against Leeds, they gave up two and luckily won three to two. They're lucky they didn't walk out of there with a draw or even worse, a loss. Um, so that defense is not going to sustain what it had going, and I'm not sure that team can score <laughs> as much as uh, City in Liverpool. So if you're going to give up one or two goals a game, uh, Chelsea was at a point earlier in the year where they were squeaking out a lot of one zeros, and that would scare me right now as a Chelsea fan because I'm not sure how many – like, you're gonna, you're probably going to keep a clean sheet tomorrow against Everton. Everton's been bad. Um, so And you, you'll probably keep a clean sheet on Sunday against Wolves, because Wolves don't score a lot of goals. But when you come up against teams like Liverpool, like Man City, even against uh, Arsenal or Man U, can you contain that with this defense that's been shaky this last uh, few games? I just don't see it happening. I really don't. I don't think they'll keep up their defensive pressure. I think that, like you said, there's it's going to go on a cold streak. Uh, I looking at their last five games, it kind of I, I know Leeds they squeaked out. I think they even squeaked out Zenit. They lost to West Ham. They beat Watford and they tied us. So they were lucky to win against Watford too. Yeah, I they remember were that. Handed now. they were handed that game against Watford too. So we're talking about a situation in the last four games that Chelsea has gotten lucky twice in past three Premier League games. Chelsea could very well be without a couple key decisions. Um, they very well could have two draws in a loss in their last three, which would put them, if I can do the math in my head quickly, that would only put them three points above Arsenal in third. So um, that's scary if you're a Chelsea fan. <laughs> that's just so you know, you're not uh, set. And, and by no means am I saying that as a Liverpool fan, I feel comfortable 
because I've seen how quickly things can break down. Um, things can get bad very quickly if you, if you let them. Um, yes. So uh, Chelsea, I think ends up making the top four in the end. I think they do. I think man, you even finds a way to make top four, but it's not going to be easy. No, I, I don't think it will be. I, and I, I, like I said, I don't think they will make champions league at the end of the year. I don't know who is. I don't know who will, but I don't think they will. All right. All right. So I'm going to touch on uh, the other leagues in Europe just quickly before we move on to the champions league draw that happened last week, <laughs> that madness, or actually this, this week, early this yeah. week, uh, the Serie A is possibly uh, one of the best leagues to watch in the world right now. Not even possibly. It is one of the best leagues to watch in the world. We have Inter Milan, Inter leading the league with 40 points, AC Milan at 39 points, Atalanta with 37, and Napoli with 36. That is a legitimate four-team title race, and they play week in and week out some of the most exciting soccer in the world. Um and if you want a good game to watch this weekend, AC Milan against Napoli on Sunday. That's a great one. Um, just a heads up for anyone out there. Uh, that's That could have title implications as well, uh, even though we're about halfway through the season. Yeah, I, it, uh, Serie A kind of gets underlooked because of the uh, marketing here, for sure. But like you said, it's one of the more exciting uh leagues out there and i don't know if there's ever really a favorite every year like they always kind of switch it up and especially with it was some financial Ju- it was juventus but yeah. Juventus has fallen off a little They're, bit i think sixth seventh spot right now they're 12 yeah. 12 points behind enter for the lead but uh yeah especially with some financial problems that teams have been ha- like having these last couple of years it's kind of been coming an even league and like you're going to start seeing some people coming out of nowhere so i like it yeah. i think you got like great. seven or eight good teams in that league that always compete great young talent too there's yes. there's guys in that league that are going to be stars for for a long time uh so that's a super fun league and then uh i want i also want to touch on bundesliga um Every time Bayern and Dortmund play, it's an incredible game. I know this game happened a couple weeks ago now when Bayern beat Dortmund three to two, um, but it's never disappointing when when those two play. It's always a back and forth game, and sadly, Bayern always comes out on top. <laughs> um, but uh, Bayern has actually opened up a six point lead in first in the Bundesliga. Uh, Dortmund hanging around at second with 34 points. And then they have six points on third place, which is Leverkusen. Um, if anyone's wondering how Leipzig is doing after firing Jesse Marsh, they are currently sitting ninth um, in the league. It's not far off of top four though. So if they go on a run, they could, they could, uh, they could make it, but um, they actually won their last game against Gladbach four to one their first game in Bundesliga since firing Jesse Marsh and actually tied Augsburg. Um, I think it was middle of this week, tied Augsburg one, one. So they're, you know, I, I just don't think with, with the Jesse Marsh thing, if we can touch on that for a second with him getting fired, Byron bought all their good players and they didn't get replaced. Um, so I don't know. 
maybe Jesse Marsh wasn't the right guy for the job, which isn't an indictment on his quality as a coach. But I do think that he kind of got the short end of the stick by not replacing those players that were super important to them last year. Yeah, it's tough being a coach in the Bundesliga because if you have one, and I do mean one good player, Bayern's going to buy him. Like Bayern's just going to say, all right, well, you had him for a year. We'll take him off your hands now. And then he'll become a bench warmer there, which is unfortunate. And to touch back, I watched the Dortmund and Bayern game, and it was awesome, awesome to watch. However, Jude Bellingham, uh, a Dortmund player, was well he was later fined i think just fined yeah yeah he was for saying some comments about the refereeing and i do not like referees getting involved in a game i think it should be strictly based between two teams but i i'm gonna agree with jude bellingham here and there were some calls in that game where i say I don't know about that one, sir. I I, I sat there yeah. and said, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know if you're right for this kind of game. I think uh, Dortmund's coach got sent off. I know. Yep. And the best thing about it was instead of going to the locker room, he went into the stands <laughs> and sat in the closest seat to he Dortmund's was yelling. Oh, it was, was yelling. It was it was incredible because he got away with it to begin with. And B, it's like, oh, you're going to kick me out? Oh, I'll just scream to my bench from the first seat closest to the bench. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. But, um, yeah, that refereeing was a bit questionable. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he won't get the second game they play this year. (laughs) But that was that was a very good game. Anytime Dortmund and Bayern play. If, if you're listening and you make that appointment viewing, you will never regret it, ever. It is – it never fails. I think every game they play ends 3-2, if not more like goals. It. Like, yeah. it's incredible. It's such a fun game to watch. Um, let's move on to the Champions League draw this week that was and then wasn't. Um, so – Uh, UEFA was drawing for the round of 16 Champions League very early Monday morning for us in the United States. And I woke up to the news and it's like UEFA's redrawing the round of 16. I was like, what happened? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So originally they they were doing the draw and they draw Villarreal. And one of their possible opponents listed was Manchester United. Uh, everyone knows Manchester United cannot play Villarreal because they were in the same group and you can't play teams from your group in the round of 16. And then it got worse and Atletico Madrid was selected and Man U was not listed as one of the teams that they could play. And Man U was obviously one of the teams that Atletico Madrid can play. They don't play in the same country and they weren't in the same group and they did not, uh, Man U finished first in their group and Atletico Madrid finished second. So no issues there. Um, that, what, that should have been allowed, but in their algorithm that seemed to mess up or the system they use, it was not allow, it was not allowing Atletico Madrid to play Manchester United. So realizing that, um, and going through the rest of the draw, uh, they, uh, were like, Hey, uh, every team pretty much contacted UEFA and was like, Hey, any team who got a bad draw contacted UEFA and said, 
hey, we got to redo this, like uh, Atletico Madrid in particular, because they drew Bayern Munich. And they were like, hey, this isn't right, because uh, we don't <laughs> we don't want to play Bayern Munich. <laughs> but in all honesty, like it was a messed up draw. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't like legitimate. If it would have been allowed to stand, people would have been pissed. Um, something interesting that was in the first draw was PSG Man U. We would have got Ronaldo versus Messi one more time. We would have got it probably for the last time. And the fact that UEFA didn't let that stand, I think is should temper the argument that UEFA redid it because they're corrupt. If UEFA was corrupt, they're leaving that in place because they want Messi Ronaldo one more time. <laughs> Just in my opinion. So anyway, after all of that fiasco, um, this is what we ended up with. I'm just going to run through the matchups that we have for the round of 16. We have Salzburg versus Bayern. Salzburg got screwed. (laughs) First draw, Salzburg had Liverpool. And they're like, oh, sick. We're going to redraw this. We don't have to go to Anfield. We get a chance. Maybe this is going to be fun. Uh, No, they got Bayern the second time. Uh, so tough scenes for Salzburg, um, sporting in Portugal against Manchester city. Of course, Manchester city gets an easier matchup as they do until the semifinals every year. We know how this works. Uh, Benfica against Ajax. That's going to be an exciting one. Uh, for anyone who hasn't watched Ajax, you've got to watch this team. This team, it could be a dark horse to win it all. And I'm, I'm not kidding. This team is very good. Ajax is a challenger for this title. Um, Chelsea and Lille, they drew the first and second time against each other, so they're both probably just kind of like, all right, whatever. Um, they, I guess if you're Lille, you're like, really? Like, yeah. To give it someone else. Anyway, Atletico Madrid and Manchester United. Um, Ronaldo versus Simeone yet again. <laughs> the two... <laughs> The two rivals. Um, that's a tough matchup for Man U, Corey. We'll touch on that in a second. Um, Villarreal against Juventus. I think Villarreal has a real chance there. Uh, Juve is not great. Um, Inter against Liverpool. Uh, not a big fan of moving from Salzburg to Inter for Liverpool, but it'll be all right. Um, and then the last one. <laughs> this is, uh, if anyone had an argument for UEFA being corrupt, PSG versus Real Madrid. Uh, <laughs> so there's a few ways that this is this could be taken. So Real Madrid in the first draw got Benfica, arguably the weakest team besides Salzburg in the round of 16 draw. There are no easy matchups in the round of 16, but Real Madrid had one of the easiest. And PSG had Man U, obviously, like we just said. If there's an argument to be made that UEFA is trying to piss off Florentino Perez for still trying this Super League, it would be giving him PSG instead of Benfica. That's all I'm saying. I don't think this was a corrupt thing. I don't think that this was any big scandal, but I do think it does fit very well that Florentino Perez is pissed. (laughs) Um, He and Real Madrid are like trying to appeal this saying, Hey, the draw, the original draw was fine up to us. We should keep that part. 
and UEFA is like, no, 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 we have to redo the whole thing, which I agree with UEFA. But it's really funny that Florino, Florentino Perez is crying because that man can just leave soccer forever and never be heard of from again. And I think everyone will be happy. But since he's here, I will enjoy his tears. Um, so it's Real Madrid against PSG, which, by the way, has a ton of storylines. We have Messi playing Real Madrid again. We have Messi going back to the Bernabeu to play Real Madrid and possibly break their hearts. We have Mbappe possibly playing his future team that he's going to be joining this summer. We have Sergio Ramos playing against the team that he was on for years and years and years as the captain of. What are your takes on all this, Corey? (laughs) The redraw, the matchups. Yeah, (laughs) obviously it was a wild situation. I woke up to a notification saying Messi first Ronaldo in the Champions League draw. It's like, dude, that is awesome. I don't care if we lose. We get to see the two goats go at each other. That is awesome. So, and then I get on Twitter right after that. And it says, uh, we will have a redraw. I was like, wait, what? Oh, I'm sure Liverpool probably got like Real Madrid and they threw a fit. So they had to come on now. Just saying that's, that was, that was my thought, but I'm like, all right, let them have their way. We'll redraw. How bad could it get? Evidently it got worse. Um, You'd rather play. I'd rather uh, play PSG. You'd rather in a play Atleti- You'd rather play PSG than Atletico. Oh, in a heartbeat. Okay. I've seen what Atletico Madrid. I, does oh, trust teams. me, I've seen. Yeah, Atletico. I've seen. I've seen uh, you get very <laughs> heated and say some things you might regret about Atletico. I don't Madrid. regret anything I've said about <laughs> Diego Simeone, Atletico Madrid. By regardless, the way. regardless of how they play, I would have rather played uh, PSG over Atletico. However, one team that we are not mentioning, which is a shocking development, is Barcelona. Barcelona Mm -hmm. is relegated to the Europa League. And I think if we could have rigged this, if UEFA could have rigged this, I think we would have seen Manchester United against Real Madrid. I think we would have seen PSG against Barcelona. And If Barcelona made it. (laughs) If Barcelona had made it. I think you could have sold the entire world on that draw and no one would have said a thing. No one would have batted an eye. And I think that the Real Madrid getting pissed off is one of those situations in which in basketball terms, ball don't lie, you know, of like, Hey, this is karma. You know, if you're going to separate off from us, we're going to give you a shit draw. I don't care if you think it's rigged or not. Obviously, Mm I don't think anyone looks at this like, oh, this is rigged. It's like, no, they literally made a mistake. You want them to make a mistake? Yeah. If Your it team was rigged, rigged yeah. oh, they're yeah. keeping the first one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they they want Messi sure. Ronaldo. Yeah. So um, I'm like, it's not rigged. And if, say, like, uh, sorry, say if, like, Man you would have lost or Atletico would have won or something, though they would have been saying, oh, well, this is a rigged. It doesn't matter. There's going to be an asterisk by this Champions League. Well, then let's redraw. That's the fairest way, regardless of what happens. Yes, it sucks for teams like Liverpool, who has to go from, sorry, who was it? Salzburg to Inter Milan. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks for them. But that's better than not having a fair and just trial or a fair and just draw. here's Here's my issue with people complaining about the redraw, whatever. 
if you want to win the Champions League, you've got to beat these teams anyway. Like, if you're Real Madrid and you want to win Champions League, you're probably going to have to beat PSG or a team just as good as them eventually anyway. So, don't complain about who you draw against. Like, unless, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone has to make that like argument, unless you're Man City, who don't get a good team until the semis. Yeah, Man City, but, they won't play a good team until the semis. We know this. Regardless of that. Yeah, like you said, though, like any team in this round of 16 can make it to the final. I think they will. We've seen Ajax make it to the semifinals. I mean, I we've seen – I think they're going again. I think they're really? going again this year. I think they had a much better team when they made it the last time with the lit, the young. I think they had uh, uh, Zayek still. But yep. regardless of that, I like you said, you have to beat these t- teams regardless. I mean, so – I don't know. Make people scared of you. You know, if man, you beats Atletico, I think people are going to start putting some respect, some respect on her name, which mm. we have to score a goal first, but regardless. <laughs> so yeah. Scoring against Atletico is harder to, hard to do anyway. Yeah. But, Tell uh, me about it. I've seen yeah. it. It's not fun. Yeah. We, we all have sadly. <laughs> um, yeah. It's going to be really exciting though. I think. I do think Ajax makes at least the semis again. That team is good. That team is stacked. And I know I keep saying it, but it's because they're criminally underrated because they play in the uh, in Netherlands. In the Netherlands, but they are incredible. Uh, and they deserve all the credit they're getting and all the hype they're getting right now, even though they have a tiny budget compared to some of these giants. Um, so props to them. And uh, we'll see come February. No yeah. Champions League games until February, so that's kind of sad. But you want to give some predictions? To yeah, the we'll give some, yep, yep. So, you, do you just want to pick the winners in each one? Yeah, we'll just go right. matchup we'll, by matchup. All right, Salzburg and Bayern. I think I know who we're both picking. Bayern. Yeah, Bayern for sure. Uh, Sporting and Man City. Man City. Same. Benfica, Ajax. Ajax. Yep, same. <laughs> Chelsea and Lille. I'll go Chelsea. Oh, okay. I'll go Chelsea, <laughs> okay. but I think they're squeaking by. I think Lil All is right. playing lights out with Jonathan David, Renato Sanchez, our boy. Tim Weah. Yeah. Uh, I think they're um, playing lights out, but I think Chelsea's sneaking through. I'll go Chelsea too. I, I will also go Chelsea. I see. I have a hard time thinking they'll lose against Lil. Atletico and Man U. You go first. Oh, man. Mm. I think Atletico. I just, as as I see it right now, I see Man U struggling to score, and I see Atletico being a pain in the ass uh, as much as Atletico can be. And I think Atletico would win right now in a matchup between the two. Yeah, I see just an average matchup against Atletico where they just put 10 people behind the box and then counter and Manu is not good against the counter. I think they're going to squeak one by and just play park the bus. So, but I cannot bet against my own team. That's so fair. I have to go Manu. <laughs> I get it. Go Red Devils, but it is going to be a grind. All right. All right. Cool. Um, Via Real and Juve. Juve. I'm going Via Real. Really? I'm I'm not that impressed with Juventus. 
Um, Real Real is a tough team to beat. Trust me, I've had to yeah. play them three times in the last yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. They're a tough team to beat. They're they're good. Um, I think they'll beat Juventus, and I think they'll go on to the uh, quarterfinals. So, I like that. and then we have Inter and Liverpool. Don't you dare. Inter Milan, 100%. Yeah. yeah. 100%. <laughs> Liverpool, you already know. Yeah. Are you for, are you seriously saying Inter? I, I do. I, re, I Inter Milan's playing some good soccer right now. I think they can squeak it by. I think uh, Anfield will be – I think they'll win, but I think Inter Milan's going to get a 2-0 win at home. So, Ooh, keeping yeah. Liverpool to zero. Ooh. I think they'll do it. They have a good Ooh. defense. We're going really to have to place like. a friendly wager on that. We'll see. We'll see once. All right. And then the last one, PSG and uh, Real Madrid. I will say both teams are playing pretty well right now, especially Real Madrid. Real Madrid is running the table right now in Spain, I think. Yeah, they are. So I will – but I, I want to say I think I'm going PSG. I think Messi's going to play the hero against Real Madrid for the last time. So I'm going PSG. I'm going Real Madrid. Oh, man. Um, Benzema is one of the best players in the world right now, not named Mo Salah. Um, Vinicius Jr. Yes. has found the secret sauce. Like, whenever he went to Real Madrid, he was such a raw talent, and he didn't have it all put together. He has it all together. <laughs> like, he is everything Real Madrid wanted when they bought him a few years ago. So, with the way Real Madrid is playing right now, I would take Real Madrid um, also because I think PSG is not a team. They're more just a collection of individuals. Um, and it's hard to win in Champions League when you have three players on your team who show no, no interest in defense. Uh, that would be Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi. So it's going to be very hard to stop Real Madrid from scoring, and I don't know if PSG has it quite figured out. And they might come February, um, but right now I would take Real Madrid against PSG. I like that. All right. I like it. All right, sweet. Um, last thing we want to discuss here is the US MNT Player of the Year Award. We have our short list, our last our, uh, list of six that could win, and it's a strong list. Um, here we go. It is Christian Pulisic, of course. Miles Robinson had a very good year, very good Gold Cup, uh, arguably the, the best player in the Gold Cup for us. Weston McKinney, Brendan Aronson, Matt Turner and Kellen Acosta. So, out of those six, Corey, who gets your vote for US MNT Player of the Year? So, we are playing this off of strictly US performance, correct? I don't know. I'm tempted. I think we should count club too. I think we should count what they've done for their club because I think that matters. Okay. If it is for club and country, we're putting both uh, clubs within it. I think it's down to three players, and those three players are Brendan Aronson, Weston McKinney, and Matt Turner. I think for club, all three have been absolutely crucial for their team's success, especially McKinney and Turner. Aronson has been lighting it up, too, for his team to get some pretty good minutes. 
I think Matt Turner became a player to where everyone starts saying, is Zach Steffen our best goalie? And I think he started turning some heads with his performances. I think Weston McKinney has proved that he is the glue of this team. He is, in my opinion, the captain, the bond that holds everyone together. And I think ever since his little um, punishment or his little fiasco he had a couple weeks, a couple months ago, I think he's been a better player, a better person on and off the pitch. And I think he will only continue to do that. And Ben Anderson uh, is one of the most underrated players, I think, for the U.S. right now. He has been playing lights out. He gives 110% every game, and he shows it. The guy's running after balls in the 90th minute when he doesn't even have to. And for Salzburg, he has proven actually within the last week that he is quote-unquote Leipzig ready. Uh, I think he will see a transfer to Leipzig in either the January or in the summer. Now, with that being said, Christian Pulisic is not one of the p- players I think will win this. And with that being said, and by saying that, Yes, he buried an absolute savage penalty against Mexico to end their dreams and, and came off the dynasty. bench to win against and came the, off yes in the, in the qualifier. So he is Mexico's quote unquote dad. That no quote yes. unquote he just is the, yeah yeah like I'm sure if I look up Wikipedia I could probably find that. Anyways, but I I just don't think he's done enough every qualifying. Now, granted, he has been hurt, but I don't think he's done enough for his club either to granted this award and i as much as i love him and he has won us two of our biggest games that we've seen in the last decade i i just think those three that i mentioned earlier are more deserving of it yeah i would pulisic had a historic year uh he had those two goals two of the two the two biggest goals for the u.s this year um scoring against mexico twice he became the first American to play in and win a Champions League final. Um, gosh, I mean, this this is a an insane list of of guys that all deserve this award. Miles Robinson came out of nowhere to yes. nail down a center back spot for us. Um, Weston McKinney, like everything you said about him being an important player for club and country, just getting better. Brendan Aronson has been incredible for Salzburg. And they're in the round of 16 in the Champions League. Um, And he has had an incredible number of goals and assists for the U.S. anytime he plays. Uh, He always finds the back of the net. And Matt Turner, like you said, challenged Zach Steffen for that number one spot. And uh, Kellen Acosta was arguably our best player, along with Robinson, at the goal. Yeah, exactly. Um, So what a list of players. Um, If I had to pick which I'm going to, um, I'm going Brendan Aronson. If I had to pick one, um, he's, he does so much for club and country. He's become a regular starter in Austria. He's shown that he can be a starter for the U S men's national team. He does the most important thing in the game, which is put the ball in the back of the net or get assists where teammates put the ball in the back of the net. So I love that. I love his energy. I think if I had to give it, I'd give it to uh, Brendan Aronson. Uh, who did you say you would give it to, or did you say? I, I didn't, and I'm very surprised that you said that because I did not think you were going to say him. But yeah. I will be giving it 
to the rock of the team, Weston McKinney. And as I'm reading a bio right now, so I have to give a shout out to usasoccer.com. Uh, he's won a trifecta of trophies, including the Italian Cup, Italian Super Cup, and the CONCACAF Nations League, while also being man of the match and uh, tournament MVP. And I, I don't think you can field a USA team in a big game like a Mexico qualifying game and a World Cup game without Weston McKinney and have success. I think Weston McKinney is, like I said, the glue. I don't – and the games that he didn't play because of suspension, you could tell that the team was missing something, and I think that something was Weston McKinney. He is a guy who will play both sides of the ball. He will get down to nitty-gritty. Nitty he will stand up for his teammates. He will get physical. He will fight the other team. He'll run through a wall for every player on that team. Yep. And I think that kind of encapsulates what this trophy should be. It should also be about success for your club and country. And I think it should be about what you would do for this team. And I think Weston McKinney would do anything if Barhalter said jump. McKinney says how high. So I think McKinney wins it. And I didn't get to mention Robinson earlier, who's becoming, I think, one of, if not the only actual starters on our defense, especially in the center back. And Acosta, I know a lot of people don't like him because he's MLS, but he has been putting in work and he has been one of the best players that we've had. So he puts in the minutes, he puts in the time for the U.S. So I like yeah. that he gets nominated. He won't play, he, I don't think he'll win, but. I like that he gets nominated. And I got to shout out Greg Berhalter. Uh, I like him, and I think that he gets too much crap for what he does. Yeah. I know he's done some questionable things, but I think when you look at him on the sideline, when you see him in the locker room, I think you have to think to yourself, this is the guy we want running this team. He is a player. Yeah, he's built a heck of a culture. Yeah, he's built a player's first team every – I mean, any player will stick up for him. There's no toxicity, it sounds, around him or around the team or the culture he's built. So I just want to give a quick shout-out to Burhalter because without him, I don't think we see the talent from these five players. So shout-out to him. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Shout-out to Burhalter. We're both Berhalterian guys. Um, last thing I want to end the podcast on, I want to end it on a really cool, good story. Um, Liga MX ended – Sunday Atlas FC won the league. It was their first time winning the league in 70 years. I'm going to try to pronounce this guy's name. <laughs> I'm probably going to butcher it. Edmundo Iniguez. Well, that was, that was worth a shot. Iniguez. Anyway, Edmundo is 91 years old. He told his family he was not going to die until Atlas FC won the Mexican league again. He waited from when he was 21 years old until he was 91, and they won it on Sunday. There's a video of him uh, being extremely happy and in tears. It will bring a smile to your face and made me very happy. So congrats to Atlas FC on winning Liga Emekis. And more specifically, congratulations to Edmundo. Yeah, that's a feel-good story. Congratulations. Sweet. Appreciate it. Congrats. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll wrap up this episode of uh, the Soccer Academy. And uh, we're going to talk again, hopefully soon. 
um, a lot of big games coming up this weekend and um, in the middle of this week here. Like I said, still some to go in the midweek, but there's some good games coming up. We'll be talking again as the Premier League unfolds and uh, as the year comes to an end here for not only um, the MLS, as we just saw this last weekend, but the turn of a new year, which means a new, the second half of basically all the uh, leagues overseas. So it's going to be fun. It's going to get crazy and uh, very excited. Thanks for joining me, Corey. And I'll see you later.